The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion's making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. And I believe that tonight is a supernatural night. I believe that tonight God is going to do something very significant in your life, in my life, as a result of the preaching of the word and the time of prayer that we have afterwards. Because signs follow the preaching of the word. How many of you know signs follow? That's what the Bible says. Signs follow the preaching of the word. And wherever there's faith, then God releases miracles in that area. So if you, if you preach the word in the area of finances, then there comes a release for finances. If you preach and teach along the area, along the lines of healing, then there comes faith and signs and wonders, usually in the area of healing, and so on and so forth. I want to preach to you tonight a message on restoration. Come on, somebody say restoration. restoration. All right, let's all stand together if you're able. Stand up, take your Bible, 2 Kings chapter 8. Verse 1 through 8, let's read the word of the Lord. Then Elijah spoke to the woman whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise and go, you and your household, and stay wherever you can, for the Lord has called for a famine. And furthermore, it will come upon the land for seven years. So the woman arose and did according to the saying of the man of God. And she went with her household. And dwelt in the land of the Philistines for seven years. Then the king talked with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me, please, all the great things Elisha has done. Now it happened as he was telling the king how he had restored the dead to life and that there was a woman whose son he had restored to life, appealing to the king for her household and for her own land, Gehazi said, oh, pardon me, did I get that right? Let me back up. Verse 5. Now it happened as he was telling the king how he had restored the dead to life, that there was the woman, there we go, whose son he had restored to life, appealing to the king for her house and her land. And Gehazi said, my lord, O king, this is the woman, and this is her son whom Elijah restored to life. And when the king asked the woman, she told him. So the king appointed a certain officer to, for her, saying, Restore. Everybody say restore. Restore all that was hers and all the proceeds, all the proceeds of the field from the day that she left the land until now. And then Elijah went to Damascus, and Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, was sick. And I'm going to stop reading right there. Father, we thank you so much for what you're going to do this evening. Amen. You may be seated. Praise God. 1 through 6. Has anybody here ever lost anything? I mean, you lost some stuff. I, I've lost lots of things. Um, I don't care for losing my wallet. I've been especially blessed to be able to retain that. Um, I have these unique places that I put my wallet. I have one of those big wallets that you don't like leaving in your pocket. You know, the kind that you probably need to go to a chiropractor for if you're driving around with it in your back pocket. Anybody know what I'm talking about? 
Okay, so I've got these unique places that I put it in, and then I'm always developing new places. And sometimes when I pick a new place, I have a hard time recalling actually where I put it. It's safe, I just don't know where it is. <laughs> losing your wallet and losing a loved one are two very different things. In some cases, our loss is money, relationships. If you live long enough, you will experience great loss because that comes to all of us. So it's a part of being a human being. Can God restore? I want you to say yes. Yes. And uh, we do have notes for you. So go ahead, fill those in. Can God restore? Say yes. Yes. Oh, yes. He absolutely can. He absolutely can restore. He can heal. He can restore. He, as I've said so many times before, if it's lost, he can find it. If it's broken, he can fix it. If it's dead, he can raise it up. Then God can absolutely restore. He can help you find your wallet, and he can heal your marriage. Amen. And everything in between. The mantle is a picture of the Holy Spirit who, in the story, shows that he can restore supernaturally that which has been lost. Now, I believe tonight, as we look at this text, that some of you are going to get a hold of the Word of God and get a hold of some faith tonight to see tremendous restoration. Let's, let's look at the text. We read of this Shunammite woman in Acts, cha- in, pardon me, in 2 Kings chapter 4. And uh, I want you to go ahead and turn there. 2 Kings 4, verse 8. It says, now it happened one day that Elijah went to Shunem and there was a, a notable woman. So she's wealthy. Go ahead, fill in your notes. She's wealthy. And she sees that the prophet is coming by, so she builds a prophet's room. So she, she made a room for Elijah so he could stay with her when he was in the area. She had no son, although she never asked for one. The prophet wanted to just bless her for making room for him. And so he did prophesy that she would have a son. And so later on that year, she has a son, but the son grew and is out in the field during the time of harvest with the reapers. And we don't know exactly what happened. Some, some commentators say he had a heat stroke. All we know is he had a headache. He runs back to his mom. This is all Second Kings 4. Runs to his mother and basically dies. And God used Elijah to bring him back to life. And it is this same woman now in 2 Kings 8 that we read. It's the same woman. Now chapters later. And Elijah tells her to leave because the Lord had decreed a seven-year famine. So the prophet says, hey, there's a famine. You need to hit the road. You got to get out of here. There's a famine. And so she and her, her family go, and they go to the land of the Philistines. I, I, I don't understand why God's people sometimes run to the Philistines as a place of protection, but it was a place of protection for her. It was a place of protection for Jacob. It was a place of protection for David. So she runs to the land of the Philistines, and she comes back to find her house. So she's there for seven years. Famine's over. She returns home to find her home taken her land taken, and she has nothing, nada, zilch, zero. It's all gone. It's taken. Pretty rough day to come back and see your family homestead gone and stolen. Her husband's not 
not, mess, not mentioned. Or I should say that the king is the one that probably took her property. And uh, there's a number of, of reasons you could assume that, although we don't know for sure because the text doesn't tell us. But if it was King Jehu that was the king, now we don't know because some of the dates are, it's a little, um, it's a little foggy. But if it was King Jehu, he was used to wipe out the house of Ahab and she in Jezreel. And this woman's house was in Shunem. They're very close, very possible that basically uh, he took her house. And so, as I said, her husband is not mentioned, so we can assume he's already died or she's a widow. And God arranges for this divine appointment. She walks in at the exact time her story's being told. Now, I love this. I think this is amazing. He said, oh, God doesn't do that. He's done it for me more times than I can possibly count. I mean, the right place at the right time, bumping into somebody in line, supernaturally, you know, hooking you up with a divine appointment. And she has this divine appointment, and it's amazing. The king's telling her story, and the very woman that the story's being told about, how Elijah raised her son to life, shows up. And she went on to confirm the story as Gehazi was telling. And her son is standing there. Now, some say that that was the great prophet Jonah. They say that that was Jonah that was actually her son. Rabbinic scholars say that it was Jonah, and, and we don't know that for sure, but they, they certainly prove it well enough. Perhaps that's another message. But the woman standing there with her son, who's now a grown man, and the king assigned an official to her case with the instruction of giving her back her property and also the income that it made for seven years. I mean, it's enough to get a miracle. I mean, it's enough to get all your house back, your land back. That's awesome. But that doesn't stop there. He goes ahead and gives her all the income she would have had if it was a working farm and making money during those past seven years. Wow. Say, wow, that's quite a story, Pastor. It is. What God is speaking to us tonight is this. You must believe that God is your protection, our protection. Where, how in God's name do you get that? First of all, if it was Jehu that was the king, probably what happened uh, at the wiping out of Ahab's family, very possibly uh, those in Shunem were wiped out also. And it could have been, could have been that she was sent off at the time of famine, but the prophet not only sent her away at the time of famine, very possibly saved her life, said one commentator. You know, there's death and destruction that awaits, but God will protect you if you will trust him and you'll understand that he is leading and guiding and directing you. Can you imagine if she didn't obey? We'll get to that. She obeyed. There's famine. Looks good to me. I think I'm just going to stay here. No, no, no. There's famine coming. And so God supernaturally protects her. Wow. Amazing. Look, he's looking out for you. God is concerned for you. God cares for you. That might, that might be a, a revelation to you tonight, but God cares for you. He knows your frame. He knows you're rising up and you're setting down. He knows everything that's going on down to every detail of your life. Amazing. He cares for you and he's, he's our protector. Come on, somebody say, God's my protector. God's my protector. You know, if you don't know that, 
If you don't really have that settled down in the city of your soul, uh, it can be a little depressing. If you don't know that God's looking out for you, he's going to bring you through, provide for you, protect you, it can be a little terrifying. It can be scary. We must believe that God is our restorer. God is our what? Our restorer. And the problem I have found in my own life is I only see the moment that I'm in. I'm learning. So I'm, I'm getting older now. A little bit. Not much. Just a little. And as I'm getting older, I'm learning to not just look in the moment right now. And I'm learning to trust God as I'm beginning to grow up in the Lord, to know that he is at work on my behalf, for my family, for his people, for the church. He's at work. And though I can't see the end, sometimes, man, it's hard to see the forest from the trees. But if you know down in your heart that God is your protector, your provider, and that he is a restorer, then you can trust him to work it all out. Some of the things that's happening around us, you know, the very things that are happening might be the means of the process by which he brings restoration. Well, so you're not hearing me tonight. Some of you are going through some stuff. You're like, oh, my gosh, if you knew what I was going through, Pastor. Well, my heart goes out to you, but I want you to understand that God will turn all things together for the good, for those that love God and according to his purposes. He's going to turn it. That's what he does for those that love God. All you have to do is keep loving God, keep serving him. He'll turn it all around. He'll turn it all around. Every single thing. Everything. Everything, Pastor? Everything. If we serve him, if we live for him, everything will work out for his glory and even go from glory to glory. That's a great comfort to me. God is good and he's into restoration. We've got to position ourselves for God's intervention. Come on, somebody say, I'm going to position myself for God's intervention by obedience. Uh-huh, that's the blank. That's the obedience thing. Listen, everyone, if, if you're living, reading his word, learning his word, growing in God, doing your best to live for him, living a life of repentance when you blow it, seeking after the Lord, then no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. I've seen, I've seen destroyed lives of people have decided to live for God and they go for it. And I've seen in the midst of that, those who've held on, they see full restoration. Those that quit because it's not like McDonald's, you know, I'm going to take a number four, go large. And they pull up the window like, Lord, where's my go, go large? Lord, don't you love me? Oh, forget it. I mean, they're not even at the window for 30 seconds, and then they're just flipping God off like they're wondering, oh, you don't even love me, God. If you love me, you'd give me my number four, big, really big, and right now, in a bag, right now, and I wouldn't even have to pay for it. Listen. God wants to bless you. God wants to help you, but sometimes, you know, he, he, he's going he's to he's work things. And he's working in your character. I think back in my life when I was going into ministry, I, was, I thought I was going to be the next youth pastor. And I, I've told this story many times before. I knew, in fact, I was the next guy. I had the power of God on me, the anointing on me. God had given me an unction to be able to preach. There were signs and wonders. I knew I was the next guy. However, Dr. Morocco chose somebody else. When he chose somebody else, I thought, 
What in God's name? I need to pray more for that man. I'm just being honest with you. I got over my, I got off my high horse or I fell off or something. Anyway, I got off. I repented. I knew that, come on, I trust my pastor and I yielded and I prayed. And as I look back on that now, this is like, I don't know, was it 17 years ago? As I look back on that, I go, oh, wow, I think I'd have crashed. I think I'd have crashed and burned and probably hurt a lot of people. I was so thankful that God gave wisdom to my pastor to not release me, even though I, I had the, the oil. It's a hard thing to have the oil and, and not be the king. Does anybody understand what I'm saying by that? And David had a lot of tests to go through because God was working character in him. Come on, the cave of Adullam you're in? Quit cursing God because you're in a cave. He's probably trying to teach you something. Well, I'm encouraging myself anyway. I, he's at work to bring about restoration. He's at work to bring about his plan in your life. And just because you don't see it right now doesn't mean it doesn't exist. He is moving behind the scenes. He's doing more than you and I could ever even, even realize. You just got to trust him. Our minds have a tendency to get in the way. Oh, God, you hear about the message about tithing. You're like, whatever, I'm not going to do that. Oh, you want the blessing of God, and then, you know, the devourer is released because you're, you're not tithing. And you're like, my goodness, Lord, don't you even love me? Well, he, he tried to help you, but then you, you made some logic in your mind where it said, well, I shouldn't tithe. The same is true for over and over things in my life where the, my, my carnal, the carnal mind is at enmity with God. You begin to try to reason things. Reason is the guillotine of your faith. Quote that. Reason is the guillotine of your faith. You can try to reason things. Oh, well, that doesn't make sense because one, two, let's... None of this makes sense. How are you supposed to line up a conversation between Elijah's servant and a king and the introduction, when the introduction comes, they're talking about you. And you happen to walk in on cue and they say, as a matter of fact, that's the woman. And you're like, that's right. How are you supposed to line that up? Only God could do that. Only God can supernaturally intervene in your life. And though it doesn't make sense, I mean, I wonder what the woman was thinking on the way to the king's palace. Oh, Lord, you told that prophet to send me away, and now my stuff is gone. Oh, God, what are we going to do? Walks in, bam. Come on, somebody say bam. bam. Come on, you could have a bam tonight. <laughs> prophet gives a word, and she obeys, and then comes back to this huge mess. But all along, God knew it. The moment she walks in is the moment that the king is, is talking to Elijah's servant. And I, I might tell you that also, that this is the servant that failed. This guy blew it. Gehazi is the one who failed to receive the impartation of Elisha because he went after the money. And there was a mantle, there was a transference, there was a discipleship that was taking place, even like Elisha, Elijah and Elisha, who should have gone to Gehazi, but he failed because he didn't trust the Lord. And he had all kinds of things in his heart towards Naaman, the Armenian. He had issues in his life, and he didn't deal with them. He didn't, he didn't cut them off, if I could refer to this morning's message. 
He didn't cut them out of his life, and those issues caused him to lose out with God. He said, well, why is he talking to the king? He's just telling the stories instead of doing them. And I will tell you that everyone that loses out with God that's experienced the power of God will just tell the stories of what used to happen instead of be used by God. Oh, that's so good right there. If you found yourself just telling stories, I would challenge you to say that God has more for you than just to tell stories. And I believe in testifying. Thank God for the stories of what God's done in, in the years gone by. But he has great things that he wants to do through you now. Obedience. Everybody say obedience. obedience. We must position ourselves for God's intervention by obedience. It doesn't always look like that's when you're going to. You don't know when the miracle comes. I want to tell you a story. There's one, one tremendous story, and I am a witness of it. My very dear friend, Michael Gannon. A number of years ago, we were in a church service, and the the preacher preached, the power of God fell, and they took an offering. It was our prophetic conference, I believe. And he took an offering envelope. Now, I, I, didn't, I don't know how much he put in the offering envelope or anything like that. All I know is what I experienced. So he was over on the right side of the church, and I was sort of in this area. And as I looked over at him, I saw him with the envelope in his hand, and the Lord spoke to me and said, He's about to receive a miracle. Great sacrifice is taking place. And I looked at him, I thought, ooh, wonder what he's doing, my crazy friend. I just got off the phone with him. We're going to have him up here. Can't wait to see him. Praise God. And so he starts trembling. Now the buckets are going around. Mike, would you run me an envelope, please? The buckets are going around, and he's up front. Now what happens is he starts trembling. As God is my witness, this is exactly what happened. Watch this. He's lying prostrate before the Lord. Thank you. And all, all I see is him lying on the ground, face to the ground with his hand like this. And he's trembling. I took my, I took my phone out and I snapped a bunch of pictures. If I had that was able to access the picture, I'd show it to you right now. He has it. He tells the story all the time. He's trembling. He's holding his envelope like that. And I remember watching the usher come... <laughs> I remember watching the usher come trying to take his envelope. And it's like, <laughs> he won't let it go, man. He's holding on to that thing. And the usher's like, uh, uh. and the usher's like, finally he's like, uh, and you heard him kind of grunt as he let it go. And you thought, man, I wonder what he's doing. He just gave all his lunch money. You know what I mean? He's like, gone. He's all, uh, and he let it go. <laughs> I know God loves a cheerful giver, but I know that boy was sweating right there. I saw it. Well, the service is over, and, and you know, I don't know. We didn't talk about it, but I showed him the picture. I said, man, God told me that you were doing something significant right there. He goes, oh, dude, you got no idea. I said, no, I, I don't, but, man, God's going to do something, and we prayed. He went back to his church. He was pastoring for us back then. He went back to the Isle of Lanai, and one of our guests, his name is Dr. Joseph Martin. Dr. Joseph Martin goes back to Lanai, and they have Lanai is where the church was, and, and he has a service. And at that service, he's preaching, and people are getting touched, and there's miracles, miracles of healing, and all kinds of stuff happening. And Dr. Joseph Martin comes up to the pastor, my friend, Michael Gannon, and says, God is giving you a house tonight, fully furnished. God's giving you a house, fully furnished. Maybe I'm prophesying. Who knows? God's giving you a house tonight. He's going to give you a house fully furnished. It's going to be a miracle. 
And he moves on. And Pastor Gannon's like, what? Now I know that he had been looking for a house for well over six months. He had been pre-qualified, could not find anything. Couldn't find anything. And, and the stuff that he did find was either too expensive or it was a shack and he didn't want to renovate it and that kind of thing. So service is over. And uh, they're sitting at dinner. It is 11 o'clock on a Sunday night. Or it might have been midweek, I forget exactly. But they're sitting around eating dinner at the pastor's house. His cell phone rings and somebody says, Hey, pastor, there's this house. It's for sale. And, and, and there's this teacher, and, and he's listening, and, the, and the Dr. Barnes says, that's it. That's the house. That's what the prophet says. And like, Michael Gannon's like, whatever, dude. Okay, yeah, uh, tell me about it. Okay. So the teacher, uh, there's two teachers, and they ended up having a tragedy in their, in their home. Listen to this story. They ended up having a tragedy in their home. And they had to go back to the mainland. It's what we call leaving Hawaii. Going, I got my I got my Aloha shirt on just for the story. They leave Hawaii, and uh, they had to leave Hawaii to go home. And so they had to sell, distress sell their home. So he hangs up, finds out where the house is. He hangs his phone up, and the and my friend Dr. Joseph Martin says to my other friend, "Let's go right now. That's the house. That's the house. Get in your car. Let's go. Dinner's over. Everybody, let's go. Get the kids. Get your wife." He's like, "What are you talking about?" He says, "Get in the car." Now, <laughs> ah, when the prophet says, "Get in the car," you're like, "Okay, well, I'm gonna get in the car." And they, they go and they get in the car and they drive to the place where this house is, and they're driving by in the car. Michael, my friend's driving the car. And they're looking at, that's the house right there. And they're like, Lord, in Jesus' name. And the door opens. The door opens to the house. And some guy appears walking this little dog. Ta-da! He comes out walking the dog. And the prophet, Joseph Martin, says, stop the car, stop the car, get out of the car, get out, stop the car. And, and Michael's like, what? He says, stop the car. He stopped the car, and Joseph Martin busts out of the car. Michael's like, oh, my gosh, what a freak. You know, he puts it in park, and they get out, and they rush this guy as he's in his lawn with his little dog doing number two. <laughs> and the guy's standing there. Dr. Martin's there. Michael Gannon's there. His wife and kids are like, oh, my gosh, they're in the car. Oh, my gosh, this is crazy. You got to know Lanai's 2,000 people. Everybody knows everybody. You're like, oh, it's a crazy Pentecostal. Here's the crazy pastor. And the prophet says, we understand you've had a tragedy in your family. And he says, we have. I, we've got to leave right away. And, and uh, he says, well, we want to pray for you. And he prays for him and he blesses him. And God touches the guy who's not a believer as far as we know. He touches him. And, and then he says, now we understand also that you're selling your house. He says, well, that, that's right. He says, well, how much are you asking? He says, well... He says, well, it's for the pastor here. That's why we're asking. It's, it's for the pastor. And he says, it's for you. I've heard about some of the stuff that you're doing. Well, for you, I'll give it to you. For, and I forget, I want to say 176, but I mean, it was like way below. And, and Michael's like, oh, okay. You know? And the guy says, okay. Uh, well, do you want to see the house? I mean, they looked at the house. They made a deal. They shook hands. Bam. Let's draw up the paperwork. You know, you're going to draw up the paperwork next week, Monday. And so 
he's getting the house. It's the house he wanted. His, his wife's crying. I mean, they're all messed up. I mean, it's the house. It's the house. It's the house. He's pre-qualified. He's like ready to go. And he's standing there just overwhelmed. And, uh, and the guy says before they finish, by the way, do you have any furniture? And Michael Gannon says, oh, yeah, we got some furniture. And the prophet says, no, he doesn't. All his stuff is from Kmart. It's all that press board stuff. He's got no furniture, okay? He's got nothing. Do you have furniture? She says, yeah, do you mind? Can we sell it with all the furniture in it? You could just give you all the furniture. What ended up happening is they closed later that week. The house is filled with furniture, Apple computers. I mean, everything that they could have dreamed or wanted. The whole house, completely his, for a fraction of the cost, including all the furniture. I'm telling you, God can do it for you. God can restore. God can heal. God can do it. Well, that's some, some guy. I don't even know if I believe the story. That's because you're filled with unbelief. I'm telling you, it happened. I've heard many, many stories. I have my own. I could go on all night about how, what God's done for me. I just thought I'd tell you a story of a friend of mine. God can do it for you. Can you say amen? Yeah. God is more than enough. Say it with me. God is more than enough. Oh, it was enough for her to get her property back, back to the text. But that's not what happens. She gets her property back and she gets seven years of income. God will work it. The king gives her a bonus. Now, granted, it was probably him that took it. But he gives her a bonus, blesses her, provides for her. In Joel chapter 2, verse 25, the Bible says, And I will restore all the years that the locusts have taken. Mr. Mike, would you come? I will restore all the years the locusts have taken. How many of you know the story of Job as we bring this to conclusion? Now, God restored to Job how many times? How many times does anybody know? Two times what he had. Now, does anybody know how much that dude had? You ever heard what he had? I mean, the amount of kids. I, mean, I, I had to go calculate all the kids. How, how are you going to get double the kids? I mean, he's older and all that. How many of you know that restoration process of double probably didn't happen in six months? I mean, his wife, I mean, right? How many kids can you have in six months? I mean, even if you have like triplets, I mean, give me a break. You know what I'm talking about? Restoration doesn't just happen once six months. In the end, for Job, though he'd lost everything, God restored twofold. Two times what he had. And the dude had some stuff, and God restored it to him. I want to tell you that God is a God of restoration, and that he can restore what you have lost, just like he did for this woman. Just like he's done for, for my friend, like he did for me. He can restore everything that the locusts have taken, he can restore. Now let me ask you this question. How many wouldn't mind God restoring some of the stuff that you got stolen? Stand up on your feet if that's you. It could be relationships, it could be finances. Come on, you're serious. You say, yep, I want my stuff back. I'm gonna get my stuff back. Come on, somebody say, give me my stuff back. There's a song about that, I wish I could sing it to you. It's just too complex. Hallelujah. 
All right, you're serious. You want your stuff back. Come to the front. Come on, we're going to pray. We're all going to pray. Listen, here's where the signs and wonders follow right now. Well, I don't want to get out of my seat. Well, maybe you don't want restoration. Oh, and I'm uncomfortable. Look, just get over it. Get over yourself. Amen. Just, just come. Oh, God can do it in your seat too. I'm just telling you, there's something about putting feet to your faith. There's something about moving forward. Say, yep, that's me. I want my stuff back. Give me my stuff back in Jesus' name. Come on. Come on. Come on. Make, make some room back there. Y'all step all the way up to the stairs. Come on. We won't bite you. Amen. You might lay hands on you. You never know. <laughs> Come on. Say, Lord, you are a God of restoration. And I thank you that you are working behind the scenes, working all things for good, bringing restoration, healing, deliverance, and blessing. And I ask you tonight, bring full restoration in my life. Come on, I just thank him right out loud. Hallelujah. If you're missing kids, if you got wayward kids, call them in. Lord, we call them in. That which is stolen, that which is taken. Lord, broken relationships. In Jesus' name, we call them in today. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Let me, let me tell you one of the, the hardest thing for me. Let me tell you what the hardest thing for me is. The hardest thing for me is to hear him sometimes. See, because it's an issue of obedience. Look, God just restored to us our 16 acres. That's restoration. That's restoration. Now, let me just tell you, had, by the grace of God, I was able to hear an 11-year-old, the voice of God through an 11-year-old, my 11-year-old, who said, Dad, for real, for shizzle, we need to go there. We need to go to the old, he didn't say for, for rizzle, he didn't say that. He said, really? And he had that glazed Jesus look that he gets. My 11-year-old, out of the mouths of babes. My 11-year-old says, Dad, Dad, we need to go there. Hannah echoes that. Yeah, we do. My wife says, yep, it's God, whatever. We drive up there on the very day. All of these things come together. As I stand there, then I hear God's voice. Then I take action. And by the grace of God, we get our property back at 25% at of what it's worth. It's a tax assessed for $4 million. Appraisal, the appraisal, it's assessed for 3.6 or 9 or something like that. The appraisal is $4 million. We bought it for one. 1,066,000, good investment. How, how does God bring restoration like that? Well, he spoke to us. By his grace, we're able to hear him and obey. That's the key. See, if you don't obey, then you'll never see restoration. And God will tell you, speak to you things that are, you know, they don't make sense because reason is the guillotine of your faith. And you can reason away a miracle. Well, that doesn't make sense. And not take the action. And when you don't take the action, you miss out on the breakthrough. The hardest thing for me is sometimes hearing his voice when he tells me to do things. When I, once I know he spoke to me, then, then obeying, I'm doing better at that. But sometimes I got wax in my ears, spiritually speaking. 
It's not the, it's not the problem him talking. He's talking. It's, the problem is us hearing. He's always speaking. He's always giving you a plan. He's always dropping ideas into your heart, into your life to bring restoration. Hallelujah. Lindy, the Lord would say unto you that there was a wave of restoration that came over your life in the years gone by, but there is now another wave. There's another wave, my sister, another wave. The phone calls will come, the plans will be made, and I'm bringing restoration. I'm bringing it. I'm bringing everything that you need. I'm bringing the provision. There's been a great breakthrough. I see even over you as I looked out, I saw just like an open heaven coming over your life. And as you've prayed, I've heard, says the Lord, and I'm bringing restoration to you. Restoration, restoration, restoration will mark the entire rest of the year. You will see it. You will know it. And you will know it's me. And you will fall even deeper in love with me, says the Lord. The Holy Spirit. Touch. Lord, bring healing. Oh, when restoration comes, it is such a wonderful healing thing. Your heart's overwhelmed with the fact that God loves you so much that he would give it back to you. That which you thought was dead, that which you thought was lost, that which you thought was impossible, and he'll resurrect it. He still rolls away the stone. He still raises the dead. He still calls forth Lazarus. <laughs> he is the resurrection and the life. Come on, say, Lord, bring restoration in my life. In Jesus' name. Come on, say it again like you mean it. One, two, three. Lord, bring restoration in my life in Jesus' name. One more time. Lord, bring restoration in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Put your hands together for God. Amen. Come on, let's close tonight. Take someone by the hand. I hope you got encouraged. He is a God of restoration even more than enough. Come on, you have leftovers. Leftovers. They had to take leftovers from the 5,000, leftovers from the 4,000. Come on, he's the God of leftovers. In other words, the need is so supernaturally met that he's like, do you want to take a plate home? Bonus. Father, thank you for what you've done tonight. Lord, we stand in awe of your, your greatness and your word your power of your spirit. I thank you, Jesus, that you died on a cross and rose again from the grave in accordance with the scriptures. And as we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, Lord, we're saved. We repent, God. Come on, if you need to repent tonight, you do it. We repent, God, for our shortcomings. Give your life to Jesus if you've never done that. Do it now. Come on, say with me, for those of you that are affirming your faith, just say it out loud. For those of you that are maybe praying the prayer for the first time or recommitment, say, Dear Jesus, forgive me of all my sin. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Wash me. Cleanse me. Make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, bless, touch, fill, heal, restore, 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 restore in Jesus' name. And bless your people as we close tonight. 
Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them. Give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Don't miss Wednesday night. We love you. Praise God. God's on the throne. Devil's been defeated. It's all done but the shouting people. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful, and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065, or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.